Hello and welcome to the KXC podcast. Just before we get into it, we wanted to let you know that this talk references the murder of George Floyd and acts of racism. We believe it's crucial that we speak into this as followers of Jesus, but wanted to let you know in case you have young children listening with you, or it could be triggering for you. If you're part of the community at KXC, we'd love for you to join us in a day of prayer on Thursday as part of our response to all that's happening in the world right now. Just head to kxc.org.uk forward slash pray to find out more. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. There's a global move of prayer right now called Unite 714. Every morning at 7.14 a.m., every evening at 7.14 p.m., hundreds of thousands of Christians, potentially millions of Christians, are getting on their knees and praying into being the promise of 2 Chronicles 7.14. The context for the promise is found in verse 13, as God essentially says, if a plague descends upon you, then dot, dot, dot. Well, a plague has descended upon us in the form of COVID-19. It has stopped us in our tracks. It's driven us to our knees. We in the church have been praying that the Lord would forgive us our sins and heal our land and flush this virus from the face of the earth. Well, in the last 10 days or so, we've been reminded that there's another plague, another virus destroying our communities. And this virus goes back centuries. In fact, it goes all the way back to Genesis 3 when sin entered the story. And I'm talking about the virus of racism. As we watched on our screens, a white police officer kneeling on the neck of George Floyd, suffocating him and taking his life, we were outraged. And that outrage has led to a global response in anger. And this image of a white individual suffocating a black individual has become a harrowing picture of the hideous effects of racism. It suffocates, it undermines community, it takes life, it's an evil of our age and it has to stop. A few weeks ago I preached from Luke chapter 4 about the purpose of the wilderness. The wilderness, at least biblically speaking, is a place of stripping back where our idols are exposed, our attachments are revealed, our addictions rise to the surface. It's a place of deep discomfort and many of us have been experiencing this, all our brokenness beginning to manifest itself and it makes us want to run, makes us want to escape the wilderness but we fail to realise that yes, the wilderness is a place where our brokenness is exposed, but it's also the place where our brokenness is invited to experience healing. It's in that place of stillness that we begin to hear the still small voice of the Father who meets us in the wilderness and says, you're my son, you're my daughter whom I love with you, I am well pleased. 
For many of us, this has been our experience of life in lockdown, the worst of us coming to the surface. And yet there's an invitation to draw close to the Father and experience healing. And I just wonder if our individual experience of entering a wilderness actually reflects a global experience right now where we've been forced into the wilderness through COVID-19 and the waters of our collective soul have found stillness and the silt has come to the surface our sins as a culture they've come to the surface and we can see them more clearly our brokenness as a society has been exposed it's ugly it's really uncomfortable some of it's evil and yet could there be an invitation into healing if we were to draw close to the father I love these words from a brilliant theologian, a black theologian from the fifth century, St. Augustine, one of the pioneers of all Christian theology. And he said this, hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage, anger that things are the way they are and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. What we're seeing right now is a global response in righteous anger as to how things actually are. But we're also seeing courage levels rise. People speaking up, taking a stand, fighting for change. Could it be that hope is being birthed again in this season? Hope that there might be lasting change if we turn towards our Father in heaven and allow his grace to come rushing in, not just to every human heart, but into our society. So how do we embrace God's plan for healing? How do we turn from our sins and our mindsets of discrimination? How do we turn from the darkness and towards the light? Well, let me outline three key stages. We have to recognize our sin. We have to repent of our sin and we have to replace the sinful mindsets and practices with the ways and practices of heaven. Firstly, we need to recognise our sin. The death of George Floyd has triggered a global response in outrage. We looked at what was happening across the pond over there and we were asking questions like how can that level of brutality exist in a nation like America, the land of the free? But we can't just look over there because racism isn't just an American problem. It's a human problem and therefore it is a British problem. It is present in our politics, whether that be anti-Semitism or other forms of racism. It's present in our media, is present in our football stadiums. Over the last year, we've heard the hideous monkey chants in stadiums across this country and across Europe. It's present in our education systems. It's present in every part of culture. In fact, our inability to recognize the depth of its existence tells us how deeply embedded it is in the fabric of our society. So it's not just over there, it's here. And it's not just a secular problem, it's also a church problem. 
just before lockdown began, the Archbishop of Canterbury, the most senior figure in the Anglican communion worldwide, addressed the General Synod of the Church of England, the governing body of the church in this nation. And on the subject of race, he said this, there is no doubt when we look at our own church that we are still deeply institutionally racist. Let's just be clear about that. He went on to say, personally, I am sorry and ashamed. I'm ashamed of our history and I'm ashamed of our failure. You see, that's recognising the depth of the problem. It's recognising the shameful parts of our history as a church in this nation. We as the church, particularly the Anglican church, we turned away the vast majority of the Windrush generation from our churches. Many years before that, we received compensation when slavery was abolished in this nation. It wasn't the slaves that received compensation. It was the Church of England and other institutions and the list could go on. But we can't just point the finger outwards towards the Church of England. This is a problem here at KXC. It's present in the unconscious bias of how we identify and raise up leaders. It is present in our inability to acknowledge how white privilege shapes our culture as a church and the list goes on. So it's started over there and this issue we realize it gets closer and closer and closer until we realize it's on our own doorsteps which means there's only one more threshold to cross before the healing journey can truly begin it's not just out there it's in here it's in every human heart all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God we are all broken and we are broken in every way we live in broken bodies that are prone to sickness we have minds that are prone to mental health struggles and wrestles with anxiety we are broken sexually and when it comes to the issue of race we are broken and we've experienced that and seen this in the last week this has been a painful week for all of us and I can't even begin to imagine the depth of emotion that our black brothers and sisters are experiencing right now I've picked up the phone to a number of my very close friends to ask how they're getting on, how they're feeling. And it's a myriad of emotions. I've heard people talk about exhaustion, a level of relief, anger rising. Like, could they dare to believe that hope is on the horizon, that lasting change might come from this? A whole spectrum of emotions. As a white man, I've experienced a myriad of emotions, of relief, of despair, and honestly, deep disappointment that these mindsets, these attitudes aren't out there. They're, they're right here. And I've had to open my heart wide to God and say, God, forgive me of my sin. Like these mindsets, these attitudes that are incompatible with the way of the kingdom of God, would you fly? them from my system would you forgive me of my sin and heal the soil of my heart 
B and I want to say as leaders of KXC, where we've desperately wanted to be agents of healing in the church and beyond the church, but where we've been part of the problem. We want to say we are so, so sorry that you know our hearts, hopefully, but but we want to change. And where this is present within us, we want to take responsibility for that. We want to recognise that. And we are. And we are opening our hearts wide and asking the grace of God to come flooding in, that the darkness would be exposed and the light would dispel the darkness. That is the journey we are on. And we are committed to that journey. So we want to say to KXC, to these congregations that we passed away, We are sorry and and we want to lead us as a community into lasting change. We want to see the kingdom of God break into our church family. You see, you can't walk into the light if you can't recognise that you're currently living in darkness. It begins with recognition. Recognition leads to repentance. We confess our sins, trusting that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, repentance has a posture and it's the posture of humility. Remember 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if you will humble yourselves. I want to show you this image, another image of the Archbishop of Canterbury. He went to visit a site in the Indian state of Punjab where many years before there'd been a massacre at the hands of British colonialists. As he approached the site, he didn't just get down on his knees, he got down on his face to say, I am so sorry for what my nation has done in this land. That is a posture of repentance and it's a posture that leads to healing. You see, the amazing thing about repentance, it's retrospective and it's perspective. It looks back and says, I'm sorry, forgive me. And it looks forward and says, I am going to change. The Greek word for repentance, metanoia, literally means to turn around, to turn towards something. We turn towards Jesus and we turn towards the future that he has made possible. Thomas Merton, the Catholic writer, says our lives are shaped by the end we live for. Well, as we turn towards Jesus, we turn towards the end, this glorious end. Listen to it. This is Revelation 7 verse 9. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This is a vision of heaven. Every tribe and tongue gathered to worship, to celebrate the risen Lord Jesus Christ and to live in perfect relationship with one another. We regularly say at KXC, the story we live in is the story we live out. And as we immerse ourselves in this story, we set ourselves on the trajectory towards this glorious end. In repentance, we turn towards that vision of every tribe, every tongue gathered in unity to worship Jesus. So it starts with recognising our sin that leads to repenting of our sins and repentance then turns to replacement. We dethrone our idols as we worship Jesus. 
We deactivate destructive patterns of thinking as we engage in discipleship. We destroy practices of discrimination as we engage in mission, as we love our neighbours and love our enemies and join God's mission to make all things new. The former things begin to disappear as things are replaced with a whole new order. It's called the kingdom of heaven. And this isn't just a human endeavour, something we do in our own strength. This is the work of the spirit. And yes, we participate in that work as the spirit brings renewal to our minds, our patterns of thinking, as the spirit transforms us into the likeness of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. This takes time. It's a journey and there is a long journey ahead of us, but we are committed to becoming like Jesus and seeing his kingdom break in. So we recognise, we repent and we replace. Idols are exposed in the wilderness, but they can also be dethroned there. As I said earlier, the wilderness is a place where our brokenness is revealed, but we're also invited into a healing journey. And none of this leaves room for passivity. As you'll have probably heard this week, when it comes to issues of morality, passivity equates to complicity. Silence equates to complicity. We either follow the way of Jesus or we follow the way of the world. Treading water simply amounts to allowing the current of culture to take us along and to dictate the journey. For too long, fear has created silence. Fear of saying the wrong thing, fear of not having the power to effect change, fear of getting things wrong and experiencing shame. But perhaps right now we are at a pivot point where hope is being birthed, anger and courage side by side. Only faith, hope and love can overcome fear. So as people of faith, hope and love, we need to rise up. Fear creates a fragile foundation for conversations and conversations are what we need right now as we journey forward together. Conversations, honest conversations that lead to action and action that leads to lasting change. So as followers of Jesus, God's royal priesthood, his sons and daughters who have been given all authority, not some authority. Jesus said, I give you all authority. We need to act. We need to listen up. We need to speak up. We need to follow up. This is a marathon and not a sprint. And we need to pray, to get on our knees and pray. If you humble yourselves and pray. As people empowered by the Spirit, we need to realise that our prayers shift atmospheres. They affect change, so we need to pray. Our words shape destinies, so we need to speak up. And our actions echo into eternity, so we need to act. Anything less than engagement is an abdication of our responsibility as followers of Jesus, and it's a denial of our identity and our destiny. The key phrase in that last sentence as people empowered by the Spirit. This isn't something we do on our own or in our own strength. We do it as brothers and sisters, hand in hand, being filled with the Spirit of God together. So let's invite the Spirit to come and lead us forward. 
So I want to close by reading this passage of the Acts account of Pentecost. This is my favourite prayer meeting recorded in scripture because it's a prayer meeting that's interrupted with the presence of God. And those are always the best prayer meetings, right? The ones that are interrupted by the presence. So let me read what happens in Acts chapter 2. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, Nisarene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, heard them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Well, here's what it means. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. You've got this picture of all these tribes coming together to experience the life of God and it breaks out in worship. This is the vision from Revelation. Every tribe and tongue gathered to worship Jesus and it happens when the spirit is poured out. Could it be that we're at a point now, we've been praying as a church that the spirit would be poured out, that there'd be an awakening in the church and an awakening in the land. We've experienced this wilderness. The cracks have been exposed. The brokenness has been exposed. But what if the spirit of God was being poured into the cracks? What if this was a moment where we were going to experience a greater measure of freedom and healing in this land? What if in the wilderness, in our brokenness, we turn towards the father where we embraced everything that the son has done for us through his life, his death and his resurrection? And what if we opened ourselves to being filled with the spirit of God? Could there be cause for hope? Yes, there could. Could this be a moment of anger and courage rising up to bring about lasting change, a moment for the kingdom of God to break in? Lord, may it be so. This is the cry of our hearts. We want to see an end to racism and we believe that's only possible through Jesus Christ and the family that are gathered around him. So we are praying, Lord, have mercy. Lord, would you come? Spirit, would you fall? upon us because where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom